Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Is Cam Newton done in Carolina? Can the Falcons' defense repeat their strong showing against the Panthers and Christian McCaffrey? And what is going on with that Panthers' defense? All of this and more as Gina Thomas and I are joined by Brian Beversluis of Cat Scratch Reader on this week's The Falcoholic Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Falcoholic Podcast. The official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am DW, and as always, I am joined by my co-host. Oh, I haven't done this in a while. Let's see, let's see if I can get through this. Uh, the June Pedro of Dogs, Christopher Name, the Quick Draw McGraw Facebook Messenger, the Amphibian Samaritan, the Trash Talker Supreme, the one and only Touchdown Ball. She who will not be bossed. Gina Matt Online Thomas. Gina, how are you doing? I'm doing great, David. Thanks. How are you? I am tongue-tied, but I, I feel like I got through that one okay. You nailed it. <laughs> Joining us today is a frequent guest of the podcast and a friend. He is a writer at Cat Scratch Reader, and he hosts the Keep Sounding Podcast, the official podcast of the Panthers on the SB Nation Podcast Network. We are talking about the one and only Brian Beversluis. Brian, how are you doing, man? I'm, uh, I'm good. I, I'm glad that we didn't talk yesterday because it would have been a little more pissy about the Panthers than usual. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always the podcast to bring that right back out of you. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna dive into it um, before we talk about the upcoming matchup between the Falcons and the Panthers. We're gonna talk about what happened to both of these teams this weekend. We're gonna start obviously with the Falcons game because I feel like. Uh, if you were looking for a sign of the apocalypse, this game could have been the early warning sign that the sky is going to turn blood red and the oceans are going to boil. Gina, the Saints were seven and one coming into this game. Falcons were one and seven. I think uh, from a prediction standpoint, the, at the Falcoholic, I don't know that. I think Dave was the only person that predicted the Falcons to win. I, I think that it was actually James. James is usually the uh, one. Yeah. The Falcons. And, you know, it is not a coincidence that James is also usually in the basement as far as his. <laughs> um, 
know, James, but I am. This is just my honest analysis. (laughs) I think that James was the only contrarian who picked the Falcons, and um, boy, oh boy, were the rest of us wrong. Yeah, every staff um, needs a contrarian. Just so you know, everyone. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) So the the Falcons went into Nola. Um, and I just want to clarify, the Saints had a bye week at the same time we did. So there's there's no story here about the Falcons coming off a bye week and having an advantage. The Saints had the same. They were playing at home. And the Falcons went on the road and beat them. Beat them down 26 to 9. <laughs> the Saints couldn't even score a touchdown. Uh, they couldn't even get to double digits. Uh, and the Falcons, who had seven sacks, in eight games, sacked Drew Brees six times on Sunday. So, <laughs> Gina, I want to ask you, what was your take? What were your takeaways from that game? Is it an aberration? Is it a sign of the end times? What, what do you feel that Saints-Falcons game told us? You know, I've had some time to think about it since we broke it down on the post-game podcast, and I basically, my analysis was just to laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> Um, You know, I think that it's a variety of things. I talked to uh, Kendall Sheffield in the locker room yesterday, and he gave me some insight. But he said that, you know, Kendall said that the main thing was, you know, just basically guys getting more comfortable in their role, understanding what their job is. But Mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do when you've got some replacement players on that side of the ball because of injuries like Sheffield um, and Monte Casey filling in for, you know, with Keanu Neal out. it's he said that communication has really improved that bringing Raheem Morris over there you know sometimes these players just have to hear the same things that they've been hearing over and over but they need to hear it from a different voice and so I think that right. part of it I also think that it was being fresh and rested off of bye week I also think that New Orleans might have looked past him a little bit you know New Orleans is yeah. a very good team but they are a very arrogant team and you know I don't, <laughs> I don't really have a like a problem with that in general. I mean, they're good. I think that they've earned the right to talk their shit, but you know, they, I think that they probably look past them a little bit. Like Sean Payton is probably the least humble coach in the national football league. And yeah, I mean, this is the guy who was making choking motions at Devontae Freeman right before the Falcons stole a win right out of their hands in Atlanta a couple of years ago, you know? So I think that it was a combination of all of those things. But I think that when you look at the communication side of things and that tremendous improvement defensively, where guys just kind of seem to understand a little bit better, you know, how to make magic happen on the field instead of just being a complete shit show the entire time. um, I think that those are things that we might see carry over. Like, will we see another six sack performance? I hope so, but I doubt it. Um, But I do think that we should see at least incremental improvement. Yeah, and I, I think for for me the it was all about the defense. the The offense I thought was still um, a little bit disjointed. And when I thought about it, you know, going back and uh, sort of also examining the game uh, outside of the the jubilance of beating the Saints, um, it occurred to me that the offense probably was not completely in sync because Ryan is still suffering a little bit from that ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, his accuracy was on and off throughout the game and was probably a factor of him not being able to get his footwork 100% right with that, uh, with that high ankle sprain. So, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I have so, things to say about that. Not not about Ryan specifically, but yeah. Fair enough. Um, so in, in, I, I think, you know, the offense was good enough and the defense was amazing, uh, which I never thought I would say this season. So, Brian, uh, your take, I mean, as, as an outside observer and arguably in that position, wanting the Falcons to win because uh, you guys need the, you know, the Saints to take as many losses as possible to be able to win the division. What was your perception of that game and, and how it In my out? expert opinion, as a guy who watches film and watches a lot of football and does a lot of studying, the Saints are just trash. <laughs> well, there it is. Um, <laughs> I, I it. think that you guys are right that the, the Saints looked past the Falcons a little bit. And it's kind of hard not to, mm-hmm. I would think, as a professional team, no matter how many times I go out on camera and say, we're not looking past this team. This is the next This is next week. We're only focused on this week, blah, blah, blah. Um, they had one win going in. And, you know, yep. it's it's the Saints, too. Like, as, as Gina said, Sean Payton is not exactly the one to be like, oh, yeah, any team could beat us on any Sunday. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh, Sean. Yep, I believe you when you say that. Um <laughs> I think that the Falcons defense finally found a way to not be terrible, which was good because they have the personnel to not be so shitty. Um, and I think that knowing each other is always a, a factor. Like every divisional game is yes. very key because every team kind of builds their team around beating everybody else in the division. Cause ultimately you're yep. the way that you get to the playoffs is by dominating your division. Unless you're the Oakland Raiders that one year. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) yeah, I think that's a lot of it. Um, I did want to comment on that. Yeah. Usually a foot injury tends to cause your quarterback to not be so accurate. I'm kind of surprised that I'm not hearing about the national media calling for Matt Schaub or whatever other backup quarterback they have (laughs) replacing Matt Ryan. It's not really the norm, I guess, in the NFL. Normally, the, as soon as a guy has a bad game because he can't put his, plant his foot right, suddenly you're calling for his head on a platter. But who knows? Maybe maybe I'm just a little jaded. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I think there's something to that. Um, and I would completely agree. Uh, I, I don't think you're unfair in um, making that comparison. So uh, on that note, the Panthers this weekend had a tough game. Uh, it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was, it was in, in Green, Green Bay, Bay right? and, it was and very snowy. Packer. Yeah, very snowy, very cold. Um, the Packers are a little bit of an enigma because the offense is supposed to be much better, and I feel like the offense is not particularly good. It's actually their defense that is carrying them right now as a team. I don't feel like they're as good a team as their record suggests. Uh, regardless, it was actually a, a pretty good game. I, I had the, the opportunity to watch it, and uh, uh, the the Panthers had uh, an opportunity at the end of the game. So, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened that game and what your takeaway was from uh, that road loss? Well, to start, the Panthers' run defense has been flashing being bad all season, but mm-hmm. a lot of the analytics people out there are like, well, running the ball is not a big deal. It's Typically, more there's more you're more likely to fail on a running play than you are a passing play. Um, mm-hmm. But the Packers ran all over the Panthers, and that seems to be the formula for beating them this year because they lost to um, 
the 49ers and all they did was run Tevin Coleman all over Carolina's Panthers, uh, Carolina's defense. Um, the Bucks was a little bit of a was a little bit weird because they had a chance to win, much like the Packers game, uh, in the very ending moments, and just couldn't get it across the end zone. Um, in this game, really, it came down to that the Packers managed to shut down Christian McCaffrey just enough that Kyle Allen needed to go out there and win the football game. And people look at that last drive and they say, "Oh, he made a heroic effort. He was very good under pressure." But the entire game, he missed he missed throws that he should have made or he made bad decisions like it wasn't a great game. And Kyle Allen said it himself. So the Kyle Allen truthers out there stick to that last drive and say, Hey, he almost won the football game. Yeah. Well, the Panthers also had a chance to get be only down by seven. And they ended up being down by six because Ron Rivera went for it on with a, I guess they had just scored. They were down by 14 points. So he went for it. The analytics say you should do that. I don't think I hate the decision, but in the end, they put a lot of pressure on the offense to perform, and this Panthers defense is not really built right now to carry them through games against good teams like the Packers. And hmm. the Packers ran the ball very well against the Panthers. Uh, Aaron Jones was all over them, and they just once again exploited the fact that Carolina took their defense and made it a lot faster and a lot more athletic. But by doing that and creating the great pass rush they have this season they've sacrificed the run defense and teams that are devoted to running the football and are good at it are going to run on them and that's exactly what happened so yeah the very last drive was <sighs> tough to watch because there were times where Kyle Allen th had like a like wide open Greg Olson missed him then he would make a throw to Greg Olson on third and like eight perfect dime um <sighs> Miss Christian McCaffrey right before the last get play of the game would have been an easy touchdown if he didn't, you know, throw it at the dirt in front of him. Um, and then on the very last play, uh, the Panthers left guard, Greg Van Roten, got got beat by the Packers uh, defensive lineman, caused yeah. uh, caused a stop. Game was over. So it's just one of those games where the ball could where a few plays here or there could have easily changed the outcome. The Panthers were definitely the underdogs in that game, and they did they did come out and they played pretty well despite a lot of the really bad stuff that happened. So it's the season's still up in the air for them. They can, they can come back and they can go make the playoffs. They could also, you know, lose every game for the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised by either one. Huh. Yeah. And the Packers, I think again, are, are uh, they are an enigma of a team, but they are typically very strong at home. And uh, especially when you start, you get into, uh, weather like what you guys had to see uh, this past Sunday, where it is cold, it's snowing. That seems to be where you know, especially teams from the South. Uh, and I know it's you know sort of a overplayed cliche, but uh, there is some truth to you know Southern teams struggling in colder weather. Uh, but honestly, it looked like you know the Panthers had an opportunity to win, uh, and it was a close loss. It, it, you lose on the road to the Packers, it's not the end of the world. Uh, they're clearly, you know, going to be a playoff team uh, if you look at it today. But uh, yeah, so a little bit, a little bit surprising, but not entirely. Uh, Gina, any any thoughts on the Panthers dropping that one on the road, falling to five and four, not making up any ground in the NFC South, even though the the Falcons gave them some help this weekend? Yeah, um, I 
I don't really think that that's a strong indicator one way or the other about the strength of the Panthers. Obviously, it's a different season with Cam sidelined. Um, mm-hmm. Allen's going to have some growing pains, but they still have a ton of talent. You know, Olsen is still playing very well. He's like Benjamin Button or something. Like, I swear to God, he's been, <laughs> it didn't make any sense that he's playing at the level that he is at his age. You know, McCaffrey is one of the best players in the entire National Football League. Um, yeah. I think he's legitimately put together an MVP caliber season this year. So, you know, I think that um, I think that losing a road game in Green Bay when it's cold outside is really not something to be ashamed of. I think that that's a pretty common occurrence for teams all over the league and especially yeah. indoor teams or Southern teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean – I don't think it's a strong indication of the Panthers who they really are as a team either way. Yep. I I agree. And I think uh, that's why this weekend is going to be critical for them. Uh, And and obviously incredibly important for the Falcons. So we're going to talk about that matchup. uh, But before we dive into the game Sunday, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Gina Thomas. And we are joined by the one and only Brian Beversluis from the Keep Sounding Podcast and Cat Scratch Reader. And we're going to talk about the Falcons going on the road to take on the Panthers, a division game, an important division game this weekend. Uh, we, we spoke in the first half about uh, the Falcons trying to help out the Panthers by beating the Saints and... Uh, the Panthers, unfortunately, dropping one on the road to the Packers. Uh, so clearly, if the Panthers are going to make up uh, ground in the division uh, and catch up to the Saints, the, this is a game that is critical for their playoff hopes. Um, they're five and four. Uh, dropping to five and five is going to make it a little bit harder to catch up with, you know, a, a seven and two Saints team. Um, but if they can, you know, keep winning uh, and hope that you know they've got some matchups with the Saints coming up. Uh, they can possibly flip the division if if you know they can play these games uh, relatively well. So uh, important matchup, obviously for the for the Falcons. They're playing f- essentially for Dan Quinn's career at this point. Uh, you know, we did a lot of polling, Gina, this week about um, on Twitter and at the site about what it would take for Falcons fans to be okay with Dan Quinn staying as head coach in the twenty twenty. And I was a little bit surprised. I thought that most fans would be like, no, we're done. But mm-hmm. it seems like the majority of fans think that if he can win out or win seven of the next eight games, which I, I still think is a tall task, that they would be okay with him staying as head coach. So uh, some interesting you know, results. And obviously beating the Saints will buy you a lot of grace with, <laughs> with this franchise. Um, but – Let's start from that angle first. How important do you think this game is for the Falcons or for Dan Quinn uh, before we go to Brian to talk about the importance uh, to the Panthers? Yeah, I think that for Dan Quinn in particular, I think that he bought himself some goodwill last week. Um, 
no matter what, not just beating the Saints, but going into their house, you know, doing something that the Falcons have have struggled to do consistently, like mm-hmm. for the Mike Smith tenure in particular, it's been better under Quinn. But I mean, especially in a year where they had one win going into it and the Saints had an inverse schedule, like or an inverse record, you know, seven and one compared to one and seven. I think he bought himself some goodwill with that win, especially the fact that he was willing to take a step back from um, the defensive play calling, you know, and, and sacrifice some things and change some things up to, um, to make the team better. And so I don't think that this game is a make or break game for him, but I do think that he is still trying to build a case to remain the Falcons head coach at the end of the season. And so from that perspective, I think that, Every minute of every game counts. I think that every mistake is magnified. I think that every loss is magnified. And I think that, you know, we're watching the season slip away very quickly. Um, And so from that perspective, I think that this game is fundamentally important to his future. Yep. Uh, So for reference, the poll that was mentioning, we ran the quick one on Twitter. Uh, 37% of fans said that he's got to go no matter what. Um, 36% said if he finishes nine and seven, keep him. Uh, and fourteen uh, percent said uh, eight and eight, keep him. And another fourteen percent said as long as it's six and ten or better, we should keep him. So interesting results there. Um, and you know, I, I think if they're going to finish nine and seven, <laughs> they have to win, obviously, uh, this Sunday. So Brian, how important is this game for the Panthers uh, with an eye towards the playoffs? Um, it's obviously hugely important. Um, it's a divisional game, even if the Falcons might not <clears throat> really have a realistic shot at the playoffs. It's still mm-hmm. a big game. Um, the Panthers need to rebound. They've even without Cam, they've always been very momentum based. Uh, I've said that many times on this podcast, and ultimately, they have to come back to the way they win football games, which is get Christian McCaffrey the football play good defense, sack the quarterback. Like this is a game for them to restore their confidence. Um, it's also a game where Kyle Allen can rebound a little bit. Um, pretty much every game going forward is important because this is the toughest part of the Panthers schedule because they have the Falcons twice, which regardless of their schedule, the Falcons always at least get one win over the Panthers, no matter how good they are. Um, <laughs> and they have Seattle. They have, um, I don't even remember yeah. who else they got. They have, um, let me pull that up real quick. Great journalism uh, you've here. You've got Washington and Indianapolis. Yeah, Washington, obviously, you would think that's a winnable game, but they lost that one last year. Um, and Indianapolis is a tough team, very well put together. So it's they need to put together a string of wins in order to really get a push for the playoffs because even if they if they don't win the division, there's a chance that even if they have, say, a 10-win record, that they don't make the playoffs because the NFC is so stacked yeah. right now. So really is. I think this is the game where if Carolina is going to rebound from whatever the hell is going on with them right now, that they need to go back to their style of football and Kyle Allen needs to rebound. And I, I like Kyle Allen, but I don't think he's going to be like your Nick Foles type guy. He's a high level backup. I don't think he'll lead them to the Super Bowl, but once you get in the playoffs, it's all fair game at that point. So that's the objective right now. Yeah. Yeah, new season uh, starts over. Um, all right, so let's talk about some of the specific matchups. Um, the one that I think is pretty interesting here is the Panthers' defense because I, I was reading about them, and, and you alluded to this 
in the first half of the podcast, they are a little bit of an enigma. They are one of the best pass rushing teams. As a matter of fact, I'm, I think they lead the league in sacks. Um, they are one of the best pass defenses in the league. And they are, I think, the one of the bottom three run defenses in the league. 27, which I is think. not. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. Like you don't normally see that and so their DVOA ranking puts them as like a middle of the road defense. Yep. Um and it it's not like they're 14th against the pass and 16th against the run. It's like they're really good against the pass and really bad against the run, which is not a normal um alignment we see for, you know, defensive units. Obviously on the Falcon side of the ball, the offense up until this past weekend, could not run the ball to save their life. Um, and now we've, you know, Austin Hooper probably will not be playing because of a knee injury. Devontae Freeman is out. Edo Smith is out uh, for the season. Um, and it, it just seems like this is – it, it is the weirdest matchup I think we're going to see Sunday. So, Brian, I'll start with you here first. What is the story with the the Panthers' defense? Is all of that true? Do you think some of it is exaggerated? You know, are they missing guys like Kawan Short, Thomas Davis? Is that a factor here? Is it the change in the style of defense? What What do you think is contributing to this sort of enigma that's going on in Carolina right now? I've noticed that. So they 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 allegedly switched to a three four, but it's more of a multiple defense. They run four three three four depending on the game situation, but. Ultimately, they have lighter bodies out there who are guys who are going to rush the passer, who are a lot more athletic. But in gap discipline, that becomes a problem when you have a team that is really devoted to running the football. Um, Mm -hmm. Brian Burns has been really good for Carolina. Bruce Irvin has been really good for Carolina. I know you guys know know who he is. Um, Yeah. Gerald McCoy turned out to be a very good signing for them, but. This team is basically built to rush the passer, and that's not great when you play against a team that can run the ball, and in a game situation, they can run the football. Um, I think they're missing Kwan Short a lot because he would have been another big body to put in the middle, where yeah. now it's Don Terry Poe who has been average at defending the run, He's two, and Gerald McCoy, who has never really been a big run defender as their main defensive tackles, and their defensive ends are a combination of Irvin, Burns, uh, Mario Addison, F.A. Obata. Like, these are all guys who are basically meant to rush the passer. Um, yeah. So, I liked the fact that they devoted more of it to the pa- they they they, oh, they corrected the fact that they couldn't rush the passer last year very effectively, but they're sacrificing the run game there. Honestly, if you have that like low tier flex play in FanDuel or anything like that, I would put the Falcons starting running back there because this could be a game where he he ends up going for over 100 yards on him. And it's it's just because the Panthers' defense is <clears throat> weird right now because Luke Kuechly and Thomas Davis were both very successful because of the fact that like they didn't have linemen all over them all the time, and now Luke Kuechly has to make perfect reads. Shaq Thompson's been great, but when they have linemen up all up in their faces all the time, they're not defensive linemen. They're not expected to be able to, to you know, put an offensive tackle on his back all the time. So, yep. from the standpoint of the rushing game against the Panthers' defense, we could see them totally rebound and figure it out because Ron Rivera has that weird ability to do that. But right now, they're just, coaching-wise, they're not in the right place where they're maintaining gap integrity and 
staying true to the run. They're missing tackles. They've been um, involving Eric Reed a lot, and he's a very good run defender, but on Sunday he was terrible. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't really even know what to say because I could see the Panthers coming out and shutting down the Falcons, and I could also see the Falcons going for like 200 yards rushing altogether. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Gina, you know, to that point, in some ways, this feels like a matchup that is hard to predict because, on the one hand, you know, the Falcons have have been trying to run the ball more, uh, and they obviously have more success against the Saints than they have had all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also missing their top two running backs. I mean, Devontae Freeman is going to be out more than likely. Um, Edo Smith, we lost him for the season a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're down to Brian Hill, who, you know, had a great game against the Saints on Sunday. But preseason, and he's had, you know, moments um, throughout his career where he's looked the part. Um, you know, is he a feature back option long term? No, but I think especially against a team with a run defense like Carolina's. He could probably get some things done. I think, Brian, it was interesting that you mentioned the DFS angle because shout out to BrainsDoc, one of our readers, um, who is on Twitter, and he plays in my um, DraftKings leagues on a regular basis. And so he asked me today if Brian Hill was a smart play because he was thinking about it. And, I mean, he's going to be cheap because he's not Devontae Freeman. He's not, you know, one of the top flight backs, but he, I think will be able to get some points. Um, and so, yeah, will will the Falcons have as much success against the Panthers on the ground as like teams with an actual first string running back who's healthy enough to start? Probably not. But I think that Brian Hill can have a, a pretty okay game against them. Yeah. And I guess the thing that concerns me is, you know, again, the Panthers are one of the best at getting after the quarterback. And this has been a year again where Matt Ryan has been pressured, you know, pretty regularly throughout the season. It's, you know, he got injured because of, uh, you know, excessive pressure in the game, um, you know, before the bye week. So uh, it's, this is, this feels like a potentially bad matchup for the Falcons offense uh, because. You know, yeah, yeah. they want to they want to pass, but and then you know on top of that, you're missing an Austin Hooper, um, who's you know sort of a relief valve. So Muhammad uh, gone with the Patriots. Um, he exactly. You know, a super reli- he was a super reliable option for Ryan the entire time that he was here. Calvin Ridley is having a very inconsistent season. Um, you know, I think that Jaden Graham has potential, but Luke Stalker is no Austin Hooper. Um, and so yeah. yeah. This is a depleted offense. I don't think that based on what I know about high ankle sprains, I don't think that Matt Ryan is 100%, and I don't think that he will be for a couple of weeks. And yep. so, you know, if they put him on the run on Sunday, that's going to be – it's going to be a long day. And, you know, the offensive yep. line played well, I thought, against the Saints. And I have to single out Caleb McGarry because I thought he just really had an exceptional game against one of the better – pass rushers in the league and Cam Jordan. And so, you know, I think that they're gelling um, to steal a phrase from, or to steal a word from Thomas Dimitrov. That's a word. (laughs) I think that they're finally gelling. You know, when you've had so many personnel changes because of injuries and whatnot, like it is hard to develop that chemistry. So I think that they're getting there. Hopefully they can be cohesive enough to keep Matt Ryan from dying. Um, But yeah, that's, (laughs) Concerned. Yeah, honestly, I just want to say this one thing in response to Gina before we move on. But if Matt Ryan is tasked with throwing the ball anywhere from 35 to 50 times, he's going to get killed. 
Yeah. 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 I think that's pretty clear. Uh, and they don't want to do that. Um, but I, I think uh, if the Panthers can slow the run down on, you know, first and second down, uh, I think that would be a key. Because if, if you start forcing the Falcons into third and long and, and telling this offensive line to hold up for a seven step drop uh, against this pass rush, it could be a, a very, very long afternoon. So, um, but I want to flip the script. I want to talk about the, the Panthers' offense uh, and this sort of uh, what the hell are they Falcons' defense. Um, so, Gina, I want to start with the Falcons' defense because, you know, it, we saw something completely different Sunday from what we've seen the rest of the season. You know, we saw the six sacks. We saw some great coverage, including from uh, uh, Kendall Sheffield, who uh, – what school did he go to? Um, Ohio State University, David. <laughs> i DBU. <laughs> DBU. Um, even if some of our friends on Twitter disagree. Uh, but yes, uh, it. What what is your take? Do you, are you concerned like I am that maybe it was a one game aberration? Is it a sign of a turnaround? Uh, what is your read on the defense for the Falcons? I mean, I don't think that you can be straight up trash for all of those weeks and then all of a sudden you have one good game and everybody's just supposed to be like oh great now they're just a bunch of all pros everything is fixed it's yeah. not um you know is it reasonable to expect that they have improved um with you know more playing time for the guys who are forced into more snaps because of injuries and you know just more time to acclimate to each other and the changes um mm-hmm with the coaching staff moving positions and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that some improvement is reasonable to expect. I think that, or my hope at least is that they won't look as much like hot ass garbage <laughs> as they looked for every game up until the saints game. Um, so that's my hope. But yeah, I mean, as far as expecting them to replicate that performance, I think that that is a long shot. Yeah. You're up for disappointment, folks, if you think that that's going to be the Falcons defense we see every week. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think Saints game aside, they have to continue to earn it. They have to re-earn our trust. And that's going to include having to repeat that performance uh, this weekend in Carolina to get us to buy in that, you know, they may be better than what we thought. Yes, I'm going to have to hold them to three field goals and you're going to have to land six sacks. That's what yeah. we're and anything yeah. that and you're trash okay that's-, <laughs> that's that's a pretty high bar but uh hey you guys set the standard yourself so uh on the road division game i, I see no differences here mm-hmm. um so brian panthers offense obviously big story out of carolina is cam newton uh i want to get your quick take on oh, you know God. whether he is actually going to be gone or not um, Christian McCaffrey, clearly legitimately one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL this year. Uh, it, I don't think that's, that's inarguable at this point. Um, and Kyle Allen sort of, you know, is he good enough that fans shouldn't worry about potentially losing cam? And then uh, maybe one thing that I think is being overlooked or not talked about enough is the Panthers offensive line. It feels like they have some good pieces, but maybe there's still some holes in this unit. What is, can you give Falcons fans a quick read on the Panthers offense, the cam situation? Uh, Just give us the update. 
Okay, so the Cam Newton situation is being horrifically overblown by the national media because David Tepper, before the season even started, said he would be willing to let Cam Newton sit for the entire season if needed. Um, <clears throat> they have him on a $12 million deal or $14 million deal or something like that going into next year. There is no reason to trade mm -hmm. him. They're like, especially now when he's going to be coming off of IR and probably not having played. Like, what trade value does a quarterback like that have? You're not going to get multiple first round picks for him. So he doesn't have trade value. You have Kyle Allen locked in on his rookie deal. He has no choice but to accept the league minimum next year. So it just doesn't make sense to part ways with Cam Newton. That that fourteen million or so that they're going to have if they cut him or trade him is just going to end up going towards the quarterback probably. So why would you give yourself that problem in this offseason? Um, mm -hmm. People have been pointing to Kyle Allen's win record and they're like, well, he's the future because he's got this many wins and now all of a sudden that win-loss record is starting to teeter back to 500. So <laughs> it's being overblown a lot. And if you if you actually watch Kyle Allen play, you can tell he doesn't make the throws that you would want from a quarterback. Like, yeah, he's got he's had some nice throws, but... He also misses stuff that Cam Newton would hit with Greg Olson routinely. Um, so right. I don't think that you that Falcons fans should rejoice in that Carolina is going to let go of Cam Newton. I think he'll be back next year. And quite frankly, I think he'll be back better than ever, no matter what happens this season, because he's going to have a whole offseason to recover. And the whole issue right now is a Liz Frank injury and not even his shoulder. It's a totally different injury. So. And those freak injuries happen to everybody like it's not. Yeah, it's. Thank you. Sorry. No, they absolutely. Yeah, do. and it's not like the shoulder sir, the shoulder injury suddenly contributes to him hurting his foot. It just happens. It sucks, and you know it is what it is. He's going to be fine. As far as um, the Panthers' offense on Sunday against the Falcons' defense, um, obviously the number one guy to really worry about is Christian McCaffrey. I'm sure that nobody's surprised by that. But just looking at the uh, Saints <laughs> game. Alvin Kamara touched the ball four times rushing the football and eight times yep. receiving, which is 12 touches. You can expect Christian McCaffrey to get double that this game, no matter how bad the Panthers yeah. offense is. He, he's somebody where you can only contain him for so long the way he's been playing recently, and he's going to get the football. doesn't matter. The, the, the one thing about the Saints is that they don't devote stubbornly to a certain player all the time, same from maybe Michael Thomas, but even then he's been having a good season. Um, no, doesn't matter how bad the Panthers offense is. Christian McCaffrey will be getting that football and he's going to get, and he will break one open for a touchdown. I can, if the, the Falcons could easily win this game with Christian McCaffrey having 140 yards from scrimmage, it's just going to happen. He's going to, he's going to have a lot of yards. So Yep. That's the identity of the Panthers right now. Is Kyle Allen needs to play just enough, just well enough for them not to lose, and Christian McCaffrey needs to make plays. Um, that said, you're probably going to watch Kyle Allen on Sunday and be like, "What the hell is this national media hyping this guy up about?" Because he'll, on one play, he'll make a throw <laughs> where it's like a dime, 25 yards down the field, and the next he'll he'll make a spin move, and you're like, "Oh." We're going to see him unleash it, and it'll go 13 yards down the field where no one is around to touch it. He's just, he's just <laughs> not, he's not going to be a franchise quarterback for anybody. I think his ceiling is a high-level backup where you can win football games with him, and I think he's doing that in Carolina. I think he has outstanding poise for a guy who came out as an undrafted free agent. Um, he said himself that he expected to be starting in the NFL at some point. 
and which is not terribly surprising because he was the top rated high school quarterback in his year. So Mm -hmm. Kyle Allen, I'm not going to say he's great, but he is a guy you can win with. And it's going to come down to Carolina's offense executing, giving him good situations to throw in. Because as we saw at the end of the Packers game, when the ball, when they had to give the ball to Kyle Allen to throw the ball, he couldn't make it happen. Even like a good quarterback on the last play of the football game, you want to give him the ball. What did they do? They gave it to Christian McCaffrey. That should tell you the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. Um, and, and, you know, to that end, um, you were mentioning earlier how teams build their rosters to sort of win within the division. I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that, you know, Atlanta has gone for faster linebackers, guys like Deion Jones, um, Foye Lucon, uh, Devondre Campbell can all fly. And I think a big part of that is they need to be able to match up with guys like McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. And that's, you know, clearly sort of the the competition that's going to go on Sunday. Now, whether or not, you know, how that plays out, I think is going to be a, a, a huge factor in this game. But with that said, we, we've broken down both sides of the ball. It is time for our predictions. Um, Gina, I'll go to you first. Uh, you've heard how it's played out. You've seen these two teams. How do you think this one's going to play out on Sunday? Well, I was in the locker room yesterday and – Brian, what I regret to inform you is that for the first time this season, the Falcons were, it was kind of the same vibe as 2016. Like when they were just on a roll, nobody could stop them. Like they're laughing, they're having fun. You know, Ricardo Allen is apologizing to me for being too loud and being rowdy when I'm trying to interview. (laughs) Everybody's having a great time. Like they're just all... Obviously, they're in high spirits coming off of a win against the Saints, but I think that that I think that that's momentum that they will carry into this week. And also, this team knows that if things don't turn around substantially, that Dan Quinn is going to get fired. And I know that we all, as far as Falcons fans, have our opinions about Dan Quinn's fate and what it should be. But I can tell you with great certainty, the players love him and they do not want him yeah. to leave. And so I think that that's another element of motivation for them and so you know i think that they're going to come out swinging and like brian said even in years when the falcons are bad they usually tend to steal one from the panthers so you know it could be this one i won't be surprised if it's not but um you know i am going to go out on a limb and say that yes i think the falcons win this week i think it's probably a close game um i think it's probably somewhere in the realm of you know 27 24 and they, maybe they win it on uh young Waku's leg you know he certainly had a great game against yeah. the Saints. i would love to see him uh get a game winner in carolina too sorry brian <laughs> brian you heard it what is your feel for how this game's gonna play i have a funny feeling that the panthers are going to come out and have a game where kyle allen ends up losing them the football game because well the the game script is out there at this point like the buccaneers did it once the 49ers did it the packers did it they eliminated they limited christian mccaffrey just enough that the panthers offense couldn't keep up with the other team so it's not like this is an unknown thing but there's some game film out there to show people how to do it so i think where christian mccaffrey ends up having a good game like let's say I don't know, 150 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns, but I think that that's like all we see from Carolina. So I predict a 24 
to 17 win by the Falcons. Wow. I'm also a pessimist, um, as you guys know. So. <laughs> Uh, I I think the wild card here is going to be Grady Jarrett. He had two and a half sacks against Drew Brees on Sunday. He is, um, he is playing at an all pro level. Frankly, he's one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Uh, And he is, I think he is second in the league in sacks from uh, for defensive tackles. So that tells you what kind of year he is having. Um, I think the interior for uh, the Panthers offensive line is going to have a day with Jarrett uh, going after him, but I, I'm still not hundred percent sold on the Falcons defense. I think they're going to play better, uh, but I, I think McCaffrey is going to have a day and I think he's going to be the, the difference maker here. Um, I, I take your point that the Falcons do usually steal one from the Panthers, even when they suck a la 2015, but they usually, in those seasons, they win that one at home. So I'm going to give the Panthers the slight edge here. I'm going to say 21-17, the Panthers win this one uh, and move back into uh, the playoff race with the 6-4 the record. So, Brian, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? <laughs> I hate to interrupt on. that part. Just real quick, I forgot. I, I never broke down the offensive Uh-oh. line situation for Carolina and what you just brought up made – Something ah. I should bring up. Yeah, um, please, please do. So the Panthers have been riding with. Um, they started out with Trey Turner, who, or not Trey Turner, Trey. Excuse me, Daryl Williams, who was playing left tackle for them, who was a rat, a right tackle coming off of a major knee surgery. He was playing left tackle. He was awful. He gave up three sacks to Shaq Barrett. Um, then they had Greg Little, their second round pick. He played one game, had a concussion. Then they had their sixth round pick, Dennis Daly, who apparently is an actually decent left tackle. He's injured this game, but Greg Little mm-hmm. is back from the concussion protocol. I think of all things to look at with the Falcons defensive line, it's whoever is matched up against Greg Little coming off the concussion. Anyway, and obviously Grady Jarrett on Greg Van Roten, right. Matt Paradis, Trey Turner. That will be big. I don't know how huge of an impact he's going to have as far as sacking the quarterback goes, but I think he'll generate a lot of problems for the line of attack. So anyway, moving on to what I have going on. So. I am the host of the Keep Sounding podcast for Carolina and CSR. I am also the social media manager that you'll often see me going back and forth with the Falcoholic on Twitter. We do that throughout the season. It's usually a really fun time. <laughs> um, I will have a key matchups post coming up on Saturday as well about the Panthers versus the Falcons and their key matchup players. Spoiler alert, Dante Jackson from the LSU is going to have a big game. <laughs> so watch out for him. But yeah, you can check me out um, at Brian B. CSR on Twitter. I've changed my name to be make it easily followable. But honestly, just follow Cast Scratch Reader because that's where I do most of my good work. Um, and thank you for the 2015 reference. I, I still hate that. So I just want I just want <laughs> I just want you Falcons fans to go home with a little homework, which is uh, if you watch The Simpsons, um, there is an episode mm-hmm. called The Town. The season is season 28. The episode is 3. Good lord. This was public this 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 video oh. this episode happened <gasps> prior to the oh, Super Bowl man. of that year by the way. And the description is uh-huh. after finding Bart rooting for a Boston football team, Homer takes the family to Boston to show Bart what a terrible city it is. 
<laughs> and I'm tell I am not I am not bullshitting oh you. This God. was published before that Super Bowl. That's amazing, and I'm also glad that you shared that at a moment when my Boston-born fiance was not bringing me a hard seltzer. <laughs> so yeah, check out that episode. I think maybe it'll it'll make you feel a little better. Just don't look at the uh, season and episode counter. Oh my god, He's I'm not, not kidding. kidding. You can Google it right now. It's a thing. <laughs> oh it's, my god, it's magic. That's wild. Yeah, I'm wow. I'm gonna go off myself <laughs> after this podcast now. Thank you for that, Brian. <laughs> Gina. Uh, before uh, I meet my inevitable demise, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on? Uh, you can find me right here on this podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas, uh, where I am often tweeting photos of my dog or tweeting in all caps about the Falcons, either happy or sad. It doesn't matter. Um, you can find me at SB Nation. I'm actually writing a weekly column again about our fan pulse results, Falcons fans, this week's is particularly relevant to your interest because I led this week's column with um, just a celebration of how Falcons fan confidence went up 22 points and Saints fan confidence plummeted after the win. Um, <laughs> so that's a delight. And then, of course, you can find me at the Falcoholic and on Fox 5 Atlanta on Thursday nights reading your tweets on the air. I think. I think that that's pretty much all I have going on. Like that's. Did you ever read plenty. any of my tweets? Did you ever <laughs> read any of my tweets from CSR on air? I have actually. Yes. I have. I think that it was last season. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. We'll we'll have to send you the video, buddy. Um, yeah. As for me, guys, you can find me, uh, of course, here weekly on the post game podcast, the regular podcast. And hopefully soon, we'll be bringing back the Crossfire podcast. Um, and of course, on Twitter at FalcoholicDW and my articles at thefalcoholic.com. So for Gina Madeline Thomas and Brian Beversluice of Cat Scratch Reader, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk with you next time.